Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. I am your host, Dr. Karen Litzy, And today I'm really excited to be talking about communication, but kind of communication within your business, which is so important and can, I think, make or break a business. So to help us through that, um, I'm really happy to have on the program Joshua Lee Washington. He's an organizational psychologist and senior executive coach and founder of Lee Malvo. So Joshua, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Karen. We've already had a blast. So I'm sure this is going to be fun. Well, thank you. Thank you. Before we get started, let's talk a little bit more about you. Give the listeners a little background as to what drew you to this line of work, especially when it comes to communication. Oh, I love that. So let me go, let me go back pretty far, actually. I'm originally from a small town in Florida called Immokalee, Florida. Where is that? That's exactly the question I get anytime I mention that. And that's why I brought it up. Uh, that's why I like to think I learned a lot of my um, communication skills. Anytime you grow up in a small five red light town, just southwest of, of Florida, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so you know, Karen, anytime you grow up in a town like that, you, you got to have some communication skills or you or you find it hard to survive. And so that's just where my love, honestly, for people developed. And that's how I got into the field of the communication. I just genuinely have a love and a, um, how can I put it? I have a belief that each and every person just has so much value hidden inside of them. And communication is a great way to extract that out. So I, I went off to college, didn't know what I wanted to do, decided to get involved in music first, which is a fun fact most people don't know. Uh, my first degree was in music and sound technology. And then from there, I went on to get my my bachelor's in interpersonal communication and eventually master's in organizational psychology. Um, and I've spent over almost a, almost about a decade uh, in just kind of the corporate world, training executives, training C-suites. And it's, it's something I love. I love people and I love uh, coaching. Well, what exactly is an organizational psychologist? Because I'm sure I'll get that question. That's the second question I get the most. Yeah. Anytime I do a keynote, I stand up and I say, I'm an organizational psychologist which means nobody has any clue what I do. <laughs> and so organizational psychology, depending on um, depending on which sector you're working in. For me, I'm in the behavioral and performance arena. And so anytime it comes to teams, performance, uh, leadership performance, uh, communication is a major element of the performance uh, trifecta. So that's kind of what I do in organizational psychology, taking the science, a scientific and behavioral psychology approach to improving performance, which is the best way to improve performance that sustains over time. Got it. All right. Because I know I get that question from people. Oh, you interviewed an organizational psychologist. What does that mean? So thank you for answering that. And just as a side note, I am from a three traffic light town in uh, outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania. So a really small town. So I'm totally with you on the small town vibes. You win. You win, Karen. That, that is a really small town. A very small, like 6,000 people live there. Really small. No secrets, though. No, 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 no. But, you know, you do learn how to communicate with people because 
you end up running into people all the time. So I'm totally with you on the small town vibe. And I personally, like, I like it. I miss it. I'm in New York City now. It's just a completely different world. Um, Okay. After that side note. So you were talking about, we're talking about communication and performance. So you have a performance model that you use with your clients called the mission critical performance method. So please talk about what that involves and I know there's like three drivers of performance, so yeah. take it away. Yes, there's three drivers of performance, but what's what's cool is I, this began to develop back in 2018. I was working for one of the top healthcare enterprises in the country. Um, shout out to Advent Health, I love that place. I tell people if I had not had a desire to own my own firm, I would have still been there. Uh, but I was working there and that's kind of where some of the early beginnings of this began to come together. Um, I really, through research and through working with all of these managers and executive leaders, uh, I begin to identify that there are really three drivers when it comes to performance. It's connections, conversations, and cultivation, meaning cultivation of a team. That's the high performance element. And in 2018, we didn't have, there was no pandemic that had happened yet, right? (laughs) None of the stuff that we have today um, had taken place. And that's what I find to be so cool because now when you look at the research, the workforce research, they're saying that number one, millennials are the largest workforce out there, right? Mm-hmm. They're saying the number one thing that millennials are looking for is connectedness. And that's the first key driver. Why? Because that deals with trust, it deals with influence, it deals with harmony. Um, and so I really felt like that model, it just affirmed for me that we're on the right track because if you have those three things in place, we've seen over time that it has a tremendous impact on productivity and of course, then overall performance. And I know that you, you know, you work with a wide variety of clients, but you do work a lot with people in the healthcare sector with physicians. Do you find a difference between working with a healthcare professional versus an other kind of business outside of the healthcare realm? Because a lot of people that listen to this podcast are healthcare and fitness professionals. So where are the differences and what advice do you have for healthcare professionals that maybe you wouldn't give to someone in like, I don't know, like a software company? Well, you know what? That's an interesting point, Karen. I would say because we're dealing with human behavior, it doesn't really change much. And that's the thing that I've found when we're talking about just kind of people in their belief systems, how their habits, you know, all those things that really people bring into the workplace with them. I found that there are some nuances, but those are, you know, kind of predicated on the organization. So let's say some organizations have clearer standards than others, right? That's That can make a big difference in the mm-hmm. communication. Uh, so I've been in a, a mom and pop, uh, what do you call it? A mom and pop locksmith company I've worked with who has like absolutely no, no standards. They're just trying to get to the next pay cycle, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there's where you can have some of the differences because where there's no clarity, that really hurts performance. So just with this small business, we saw a massive increase in performance just from getting clear on what the uh, standards were. Uh, but that's a little different if we're talking like large healthcare systems that mm-hmm. tend to already have a lot of those things in place. And at that point, it then comes down to the individual behavior and the team kind of dynamics. Uh, So does that kind of help? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And now, you know, in 
working with these companies and working with the hundreds and hundreds of people that you've had, a lot of this, like we said, revolves around communication and having conversations, which I mean, not every conversation goes well. No. Even with the best intentions, not every conversation goes well. If you're no. the boss talking to your team within the team, independent of a supervisor or the boss. So tell me a little bit more about the problems you've seen with communication in businesses. You said it. Conflict management. Conflict, especially in today's kind of environment. I think the impact that our mental health, we call it, it's been referred to as a mental health crisis. So I don't mind, you know, repeating that, mm -hmm. but you see it in the, in the business world, because I think what, here's the best way I can put it. A lot of the mental health challenges have really stripped our workplaces of grace. Grace is a, an incredibly important element in the workplace because you're dealing with flawed humans. And so one of the things that I've seen an uptick in is the a lack of equipping, let's, let's call it that, not having the, the tools to be able to address conflict. And here's the thing about conflict. The longer it, it's like a banana, the longer it sits on the counter, the more brown it gets, the more rotten it becomes. And before long, the whole place has a stench because we didn't resolve the conflict. And so the one thing I've seen that I would say is a mistake in the workplace is people thinking that they're doing conflict resolution by applying conflict avoidance. That's not conflict resolution. Just because we avoid, and a lot of it is with best intentions, right? We don't wanna ruffle any feathers. We don't wanna stir anybody up, mm -hmm. but essentially what you end up doing is you're counterintuitive or counterproductive in the sense that if you don't address the conflict, it doesn't just evaporate on its own. Conflict is not biodegradable like bananas, right? It, it stays there and it sits there. And before you know it, you have an environment that is causing disengagement in your staff, which then affects your bottom line, which then affects your best leaders. And, and I think it just makes for an unpleasant experience for everyone involved. Okay, so how do we rectify this situation? How do we have positive communication and positive conversations, you call them mission critical conversations. How do we have those without ruffling feathers, hurting feelings, feeling bad, people storming out? Like it's not the real housewives. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> That's just like bad communication all around. We don't want that in a business. Right. Right. That's, that's true. And so to help with that, something I've created, I've created a, a framework called micro conversations. And it's built on the premise that just like performance, performance conversations should not be a biannual, annual thing. I even would say not even a quarterly thing, because if we look at it, if we look at the day-to-day -day business, performance conversations take place every day. Every conversation you have with your employee is a performance conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think the same is true when it comes to conflict management. Every conversation you have with your employee is a conflict management conversation. How so? Well, the, the amount of clarity you give, we give clarity in business so that we can avoid ambiguity because ambiguity leads to assumptions. And where there are assumptions, people gravitate to them, right? And people right. make assumptions and that's where gossip comes into the play. And, and, that, and gossip is a real poison in the work environment. So to help with that, one thing that I've created was a, a framework called Micro Conversations. And, and real quick, I'll take you through what the, the acronym stands for. Uh, the M is for mood. 
And it's understanding that psychologically there are certain times of days, certain times of years, uh, even times of the month for some people where the mood is not right for a conversation to take place, for a conversation to take place, whether it's about conflict or whether it's about performance. Um, so the mood, and there's more to the mood, but I'm going to give you the overview, the 30,000 mm-hmm. foot view. So M is for mood, I is for the intention. Anytime you go into a conversation without any intention, clear goal, you're setting yourself up to fail. The intention must be on the front end to understand here's what I'm coming here to talk about. And this, the second part of that I is impact. You wanna have intention, have a goal for the conversation, but you also want to identify an impact that is mutually beneficial. So if I'm coming to Karen and I'm talking about something that may be a little you know, may have a little conflict involved. I want to pick, you know, why is it best for Karen that we resolve this? Not just, you know, myself. I want to be able to speak to a hey, Karen. I think this will also help you. Or I think this will add to your your day, your life. And that's where the in, intent and impact really marry together well. And then the C is for the challenge. You want to be able to speak directly to the challenges, not the person. The oh, way different. Yes. It, huge distinction because then it's not like you're picking at someone personally. Right. Right. And think about think about society today. I mean, we live in a highly sensitive society. And and anything you say or or write at this point can be can lead to a, a canceled protest. Yeah. Yeah. A massive uh, uh, cancellation or protest. So. You want to make sure that you speak to the challenge. Make sure you speak to what is the issue. Even the challenge might sometimes be the emotion. Hey, I can see that this upset you. Or, or hey, this certain action took place that led to the next letter, which is the R result. This action took place, create the challenge, led to this result. And let's really just analyze factually what took place, right? So we're at M, I, C, R, result, and then comes the O which at that point we want to talk about and talk through what are what are the options here? How can we, how can we try to make sure you and I Karen, that this doesn't happen again? What do you think? How can we how can we really get to a place of resolution? And that opens up a collaborative effort to work towards re- resolution because when it comes to conflict, conflict moves on a on a spectrum, right? There's proactive the proactive end of conflict and then there's the red side which is relationship termination. So you want to operate in the management side, conflict management. In the middle is conflict resolution. And at the very end, if I were to give you a picture, is termination. That's the red. We want to stay away from the red mm-hmm. by learning the skills and techniques to operate in the, in the management portion. Okay. So just to do a quick review, M is mood, I intention and impact, C is the challenge, R is the result, and O is the options that can lead to a resolution. Absolutely. You got it. Okay. Now, how long does someone need to practice this to get good at it? (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not going to happen. Like, if I go to an employee, like, this is not going to happen the first try. So do you kind of, like, preface your employee or your coworker partner, whoever it may be like, okay, this is how I'm going to, this is like you said, uh, setting that intention or the goal. You have to go in with a goal for your um, talk. So do you kind of lead with that? You, you're, Karen, you're talented. This is, we didn't, we didn't plan this, but you're, no. you're like leading right into the next thing. So 
funny that you you should mention that we we thought about the same thing right because you're right communication does take practice and and perfect practice not just you know doing it your way so we created something called a conversation planner and what and that one is called the mirror conversation planner because it allows you what we always um, advocate for is that you spend some time really thinking about the conversation. So you want to think about what is the mood? What is your mood? Are your emotions sober yet? Or are you still ticked off that the person said that thing or wrote that email? Because if you go into a conversation with that kind of mood, you're setting yourself up to fail, right? And then you also want to take some time to think about what is my intent? And then they are in this case is what are some of the re resistance? What's, what's some of the resistance that I can expect in this conversation? Right. And as we walk through it that way, that's what allows someone to kind of prepare and feel like they're showing up to a conversation prepared versus the opposite, which is conversing from the amygdala, which is more fight or flight. Right. And now that's where conflict begins to be like a match. And that's what we want to prevent. You don't have to be an expert at this. Just the fact that you're taking time to be intentional about it will drastically in increase the success of your conversations. Because most people nowadays are having conversations from the almond size part of their brain instead of right. using- Not good. Yeah, not it, good. That em emotional only side of the brain, there's so much more we can incorporate like your you know, prefrontal cortex and all that good stuff where planning and logic comes into play. Right. Um, and it, because I think a lot of times in conflict, people tend to speak off the cuff like you said, they go with emotion instead of saying, okay, I'm going to. So you would suggest someone to sit down, maybe write out some of these things so that when they go in for the conversation, they can kind of stay on point. Yes, because remember, we're talking mission critical conversations. And mission critical conversations are the conversations that push the mission of the organization forward or bring it to a screeching halt or worse, kill it. And so every conversation is not a mission critical conversation. Okay. There's some com conversations that just need grace applied, move on. But these are the conversations that have the highest impact on productivity, performance, engagement, you know, retention, all those good things. Mm -hmm. So those are the ones that are worth the time and worth the return on investment of sitting down and actually being intentional about. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And this all, like I have Ted Lasso on the brain. This all reminds me of a lot of like conversations yeah. in Ted Lasso. Now that you're, I never thought about it until you're kind of going through this kind of micro conversations. There is always an intention behind something that Ted said. I don't know if you watch Ted Lasso or not, um, but there's there is always an intention behind it. and And they were probably almost all mission critical. What, but not overly emotional. Yeah, but when you think, when you start to, that's why I named it that name because I want people to start thinking about their conversations with a little more intentionality. When you start thinking, is this a mission critical conversation or not? You are already increasing your communication skill set mm. because you're already becoming more mindful and strategic in what you're trying to accomplish. Because a lot of words with no purpose is dangerous. Word salad, it's the worst. Yeah. And people pick up on that. Mm -hmm. You know, when we listen to other people speak and they just say a whole bunch of buzzwords and nothing, you're like, what, 
what just happened here? (laughs) Right. For, for the, if you're on the receiving end of that, it might make you feel like, well, this person doesn't know me, doesn't care, isn't interested. And so you just tune out, I would think. And that's the value piece. Like that's the piece for the person receiving the mission critical conversation. The reason why it's so important is because you are being a good steward of their value. And you said it, you hit it on the head, Karen. People can tell when you value them. And when we're going into conversations just off the cuff emotionally, it's a self-centered approach. And when you're approaching a conversation from a self-centered angle, you're going to lose your audience. And even the practical goal that, that you could have accomplished that could have helped you, you miss out on. All from just a lack of intentionality. Right. Right. Oh, this makes so much, so much more sense. It's just a very different framework than I've been taught in, in, you know, some business classes and things like that. So um, this really speaks to me because I feel like for a lot of healthcare practitioners, this is likely the way we're speaking with our patients. We just don't realize it. I've worked with doctors in the exam room and uh, I have one particular doctor I told him, I said, watch this, you're going to get to the end of this visit and that patient's not going to know anything you just said. So the doctor gets to the end and I taught them how to do this little quiz and they'll say, pop quiz, what's our, what's our plan of care? And they, the, the patient would just look at them with deer in the headlights. So yeah. this doctor comes out and he says, Josh, what the F is going on in there, man? Why are they listening to me? But to your point, it's because we don't think about the intentionality. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, is there anything else uh, that maybe we didn't cover uh, about having these time types of conversation, this communication that you really want the listeners to take away with them? I think we fit the the strategic elements, but I would I would like to bring everyone home just and remember those foundational pieces, right? The intentionality and the value piece. Just those two things alone in the workplace, in today's workplace, will create larger amounts of connectivity. And that's what your employees are looking for. Uh, It's now employees are not as concerned about paychecks. They're not as concerned about all those, you know, benefits. It's really a people-centered, relationship-centered workplace and workforce. And so if you can just become a little bit more intentional and just make sure when you do open your mouth, even if you don't have the micro conversation framework memorized, Just when you do open your mouth, look to give value, look to extract value out of that person so that Mm -hmm. you can edify them and and kindle the value within them. And I think if any leader listening to this would just start there, you will do yourself a tremendous favor. Yeah. And and it also sounds like making sure you're having a two-way conversation and not just like a one-way sort of shout down. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Gone are the days of, of the authoritarian leader. Gone. Yeah. yeah. Unless and, you're in the military, you might get away right. with that. Otherwise, That's true. That's no. true. And it, what, one more question that's just kind of brought to my head. When, when you're going through these kinds of conversation, having this communication, when do you ask for the feedback? Is that something that do you just let it organically happen? So if you're talking to an employee or a coworker and you're the one bringing this conversation, when do you ask for the feedback from the person you're speaking to? Does that make sense? Yeah. And there's several, as you mentioned, a lot of times that comes up in the natural flow. 
this is not a I would never want anyone to look at this kind of as a sequential step. It has to be like this. This is more of a guide. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also will say on that options portion is where it's a good time to request feedback. That's why we say, you know, what do you think? What was your experience like? You know, that may, may I maybe I came off the wrong way. That options portion is a great time to insert some humility, insert some empathy and really mm -hmm. be able to put yourself in a position to receive feedback. Got it. That does make perfect sense. Well, thank you so much. This was really a great conversation. I took lots of notes. Um, do you want to uh, tell the listeners a little bit more about your company? Lee yeah, absolutely. Sure, absolutely. We, we are a boutique firm here in Orlando, Florida. Um, I work mostly with small businesses and mid-sized businesses, but we, every now and then, we'll get some corporate trainings that to teach this stuff to leaders uh, and doctors as well. That's that's something that I just can't get away from. Um, I love being in the exam room with doctors and practitioners and showing them how to uh, use these. And actually, Karen, I haven't even announced this yet publicly, but we've also come come up with a an even deeper framework for practitioners where we are teaching them to utilize some of the same tactics you see in your marketing, you know, materials that, that have made all of these great copywriters great. You can use those same techniques in the in the exam room to create change in the patient, to understand where your patient is on their awareness scale and, and change um, readiness. And so that's something that I, I, I am so ready to get this out into the field and start testing this because we're already seeing some major breakthroughs um, from that. And so that's something that I would leave with you all. Um, I just, I love this work and I love working with people and helping them be able to value and insert value into others at a greater level. Perfect. And one last question before we get to where people can find you, because we will get to that. We'll end on that note, but it's a question I ask everyone and it's knowing where you are now in your life and in your career, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Oh my goodness. Wow. You know, I, I wrote a book on this subject because I would say, I would say to my younger self, life does not end here. At 20 something years old, I was, I've shared this in a book. I haven't really shared it a lot publicly, but I was on the verge of just ending it all. I didn't think life was worth living. I might come from, like we mentioned at the top of this, which is a great way to, to kind of bring this full circle. I grew up in a small town. Um, didn't had a real poor mentality, never knew my father. So, you know, had some dad issues in there. And I moved up to Orlando at 18 all by myself and had to figure life out. And I fell flat on my face. Those small town, you know, values didn't play very well in this larger city of Orlando. Um, and so at 20 years old, man, I thought, was this, this is what my life is going to look like. You know, I'm not, I'm not down. I'm not, I'm, I'm getting off this bus. <laughs> But a decade or more later, I never would have thought my life would be what it is today. Mm. And so I would tell my 20 year old self, life doesn't end here. You have nothing but a great future ahead of you. And that, that season of my life also is what sparks in me just a love and a desire to help people recognize the value within themselves and the value within their people. That's amazing. And it sounds like there are hundreds and hundreds of people that are glad you're still around because you're helping so many people through your business and books and everything else. So now where can people find all of that information? 
Well, thank you first and foremost, Karen, for your kind words. Um, I appreciate you. Um, and if people are looking for me, my email is the best way, joshua at leemalvo.com. Or if you're on LinkedIn, I think that's a great way for us to connect. I spend some time on there. I'd love to chat, connect. If I have anything I can offer to you or in your world, I will do so. Uh, but yes, let's connect. Perfect. And just so everyone is, um, out there listening, we will have links to everything in the show notes. So regardless of whether you're watching this on YouTube or on any platform that you happen to be on, just go down into the show notes and one click will take you to all of Joshua Lee Washington's info. So Joshua, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Great conversation. Thanks for having me, Karen. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.